0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening, and thanks for joining us. And we start with a huge milestone for a community trying to emerge from an unimaginable tragedy and the whole country is captivated.
2: Tonight, the Humboldt Broncos will play their first game since the bus crash that killed 16 members of the team, including 10 players. Reporter Ryan Kessler joins us live from Humboldt tonight. Ryan, this will be a very emotional, but obviously important night for everyone.
3: Well, certainly this is, in all likelihood, the biggest game in Humboldt Broncos history. The team is taking on the Nipawin Hawks, that is the group they were meant to play on April 6th but never got the chance to because of that horrific bus tragedy. For the team, this is a difficult but necessary step and certainly this is one that everyone will be watching very closely. As Global's Mike Armstrong explains, this is a community that is still coming to terms with what happened.
4: It has seen rain and wind, bitter cold and scorching heat. But the weathered memorial to the Humboldt Broncos can still take your breath away. Trucker Steve Enslin was passing by and stopped for a few photos. It wasn't easy. Very emotional, so... Yeah. Harder than you thought? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That memorial's about two hours outside Humboldt. Now, the entire country felt the tragedy, but not like here the young hockey players of this community, the Broncos were people they looked up to. Then suddenly, hockey dad Dan Ingram had to explain to his son Jimmy why some of his heroes were gone. Almost every practice, there would be a couple of the Broncos on the ice working with them. So, yeah, he knew uh, probably half the team. They knew his name. He knew their name. The worst nightmare has happened. One of the voices that broke the news in those first hours in April was Bill Chow. Chow's the league president and steered it through a very difficult spring and summer. Giving Humboldt back its Broncos, he says, was about more than just hockey. Something the late coach Darcy Hogan wanted his young men to understand. I mean, Darcy had his players last winter. Okay, it's snowing out. Skip practice. Go grab shovels and go
5: shovel sidewalks for seniors. It's part of the community.
4: Now, this town has held season openers before. That's not new. But there is something about tonight's game that is. The jerseys the players will wear when they hit the ice have never been worn before. They're brand new, crisp and clean, like a fresh page in a very sad chapter. Mike Armstrong, Global News, Humboldt, Saskatchewan.
2: Now, Ryan, you managed to speak with parents and family members of the team. Their loss no one can imagine. How are they coping tonight?
3: Well, certainly, Sophie, that is most definitely the case. Let's put it in their own words, and here they are, beginning with Darcy Hogan's
6: widow. We'll still be cheering them on from afar, but just being as involved as we were is just, it's just too personal right now.
4: Usually with a sense of excitement to get on with the season, and, and now, yeah, we're going out to see a
7: a new team, and uh, our son isn't on it.
8: I always told Logan or our daughter Rico, work hard, play hard, have fun, and this is the beginning of a new beginning.
3: Well, certainly a new beginning for many here in Humboldt tonight. Everyone across the country will be watching this game. Back to you.
2: Truly a hockey night in Canada if there ever was one. Thank you, mm-hmm. Ryan
1: got some breaking news for you now out of surrey surrey rcmp are asking for your help to find a missing family of four the two adults and two children were last seen on sunday Andrew is in the newsroom with the details on this breaking story. Anne?
9: Yeah, Chris, a bit of a mystery surrounding their whereabouts tonight. Surrey RCMP say that at around 6.30 p.m. yesterday, the Anderson family was reported missing by another family member. The family of four was last seen on Sunday, September 9th, and last spoke with a family member on Monday, September 10th at around 9 o'clock in the evening. The Anderson's vehicle was last seen on video surveillance, leaving the parking garage of their home yesterday, which is located in the thirteenth. 13- 700 block of 100 Avenue in Surrey. They have not been seen or heard from since. The father is 43-year-old Sheldon Anderson, mother 45-year-old Nona Anderson, daughter Mariah Anderson, who is 10 years old, and Chanel Anderson, who is 13. The family vehicle is described as a 2002 tan-coloured Toyota Sienna minivan with an Alberta license plate, BGZ 2221. RCMP say they have been known to frequent Mineroo Park in Richmond. Investigators also believe they could be driving to Alberta. So if you see them, you are asked to contact Surrey RCMP or Crime Stoppers. Chris, Sophie.
1: All right, let's hope we hear some news very quickly. We'll pass it along if we do. Thank you, Ann.
2: Now, relief tonight in Lions Bay, where two women are safe nearly 24 hours after they got lost on a hike. It was a cold night on the trail before they eventually made it to safety. Grace Key spoke to
10: them to find out how the two got so far off track. An emotional reunion with family after two friends spent a cold, unexpected night up in the mountains by Lion's Bay. Jane and her friend Kasha Sage started at Lion's Trailhead for a day hike, but along the way, they got lost. We decided to go all
2: the way to the top of the mountain again and then kind of like dip over the side and then we saw Lion's Bay open up, so we just kept going down. Then it got dark, so we had to, like, and then it started hailing and
10: stuff, so we had to
2: take cover in a cave.
10: But along the way, one of the girls had taken off her shoes to get better traction while scaling down the West Lion. Along the way, she lost her shoes, and they went tumbling down the cliff. The next day, they continued their journey, one of them in bare feet. So at first light, we decided to... Um, it was really cold, so we decided to keep moving, so we got up and we started
2: going down. It was like this um, rock, kind of like a face with like pebbles all over it, like bigger rocks kind of thing, and we just like scaled all the way down the side of it and then got into the forest and just kept going down.
10: Lions Bay Search and Rescue started looking for the girls at first light, covering the main trails and drainage areas, but the girls moved completely out. Out of the area, heading south past a different mountain peak and eventually followed a drainage that goes straight down Squamish Highway. Driving back to Lions Bay and I saw the girls standing on the side of the road and I was like, I knew it was that I just stopped and picked them up. She pulled over. Are you guys the girls that are lost and i was like well how do you
11: know about that
10: jane is thankful to the searchers and says this experience has been a real eye-opener well of course i would stay on the trail 100 i would pack more clothes like certain things like a compass and not just rely on my
2: phone like grace key global news a chaotic scene at a busy port moody intersection today (laughs) A truck slammed into a transit bus filled with passengers during the height of the morning rush. Several transit riders were injured. One female passenger trapped for 30 minutes.
0: One lady was actually sitting right on the side over here and she had some you know, injuries. And then the one lady was, was stuck inside the bus. It was, that was, that's one of the worst crashes I've ever seen in 20 years.
2: It's still unclear just who is at fault. Police have interviewed witnesses and the investigation is ongoing.
1: A Surrey Animal Control officer is in hospital tonight with potentially life-changing injuries. The officer was attacked by a husky as she was responding to a call of a dog on the loose in Cloverdale. The city's bylaws manager says she suffered severe injuries to her arm and hand.
12: The dog animal control business is, you know, it's a dangerous risk business, but, you know, this is a really unfortunate uh, isolated incident. Uh, we're really fortunate we haven't had severe injuries like this in the past. Our officers do get bit from time to time and nipped when they're dealing with animals, but this is a real rare and severe incident.
1: The city says the dog had no history of complaints or previous attacks. The owner surrendered the husky and it was put down. The owner could still be facing charges.
2: While prices of single-family homes in Metro Vancouver have come down in recent months, the dream of owning a detached home is still out of reach for many. Changes in mortgage rules mean in some cities you have to make nearly double the median income in order to qualify. John Hua breaks down the numbers.
11: Just
13: a signature here.
11: For many in Metro Vancouver, the right of passage of signing that first mortgage seems completely out of reach.
7: Perfect. It scares me a lot. I've had anxiety attacks about it.
11: Despite talk of a softening housing market, the dream of owning a single-family home for average income earners is pretty much dead. You're looking at the disconnection between those who, are, who have on our, our local incomes and local housing prices. SFU's Andy Yan and Global News crunched the numbers, factoring in everything from minimum down payments to even homeowners' grants the outcome wasn't good. These are a lot of folks who studied hard, who are working hard in metropolitan Vancouver and who are indeed the lifeblood of the region. And I think that this is demoralizing. Now, take East Vancouver as an example, where a mortgage to buy an average detached home requires a household income of more than $230,000. That's with 20% down. How do you bridge that gap when the median income for families with children in the area is about $118,000. That's close to half of what's needed. It just seems like a fool's game. There isn't one municipality in Metro Vancouver where the median income of families with children would qualify for that size of a mortgage. In West Vancouver, the income needed is more than three and a half times greater. The smallest gap is in Maple Ridge, but the median income there is still more than $26,000 short. It's definitely caused a lot of stress and and a lot of people have given up. For many, the only way in is lowering expectations. This isn't your
13: forever home. You can take it as a stepping stone to a bigger property or your dream home.
11: Experts say unless properties are built in price for average income earners, signing on that dotted line for a single-family home is a pipe dream. John Hua, Global News.
1: Meantime, mayors from across the province are calling on the NDP government to drastically change the proposed speculation tax, and they have some support that could be enough to
14: force a change. Richard Zussman explains. You want me to go? Go ahead. It's a symbolic signing. Mayors from across the province putting their names at the bottom of a letter, calling on the B.C. government to change the speculation tax, a gesture that could turn into so much more.
0: The spec tax in its current form will bring down the government.
14: Jensen and other mayors are telling the province the speculation tax isn't fair. Currently it targets empty homes in areas from Vancouver to the capital region to Kelowna. And the tax applies to everyone, from foreign buyers to British Columbians with second homes to Albertans with cabins. I hear uh, almost daily from uh, people
13: in Alberta uh, that say that they're not coming to Kelowna anymore because they feel they're not welcome here in our
5: province. The mayors are fighting back and say they don't have to take this anymore.
14: The tax may also put a strain on the Green-NDP relationship. Green leader Andrew Weaver says he won't be able to support legislation that doesn't allow local governments to decide.
0: I believe that rather than opting out, I believe what you should have is enable local governments to opt in if they
14: believe it's in their interest. Finance Minister Carol James says the province is keen on addressing the concerns from the Greens.
8: Oh, we've certainly been listening to the issues that he's been raising since March. Uh, we've done a great deal of work and we'll continue to do that.
14: The legislation is expected this fall. And until then, whether the speculation tax could hurt this government is just that. <laughs> speculation. Richard Sussman, Global News, Whistler.
1: A lot of anxiety for renters, too. The rental market is troubling, and Keith Baldry has more on the backlash against recent rent increases and whether there maybe, Keith, should be some changes to way that those changes are calculated.
5: Yeah, you know, people are still buzzing about this issue, Chris. You and I talked about it last week. Uh, the latest increase, 4.5% uh, starting next year, the biggest one in 15 years. Uh, here's a little reminder how that's determined. Basically, it starts with a 2% automatic increase to someone's rent. And then every year at the end of July, the, the inflation rate is calculated. This year, it's 2.5%, which means next year's rate increase could be 4.5%. That works out to $60, $63 a month for the average renter in Metro Vancouver of $1,400, or more than 700 Fifty dollars a year. Well, the good news is there is a task force headed up by the by the NDP government, headed by uh, NDP MP MLA Spencer Chandra Herbert, who said today basically it's a difficult balancing act. There's no easy fix here, but he hopes to have a report soon. Here's Herbert.
15: We're trying to find a way to balance the need to maintain properties. Uh, we don't want to lose any rental, but also make sure that people aren't being gouged and that there is affordability as well. So it's a fine balance we we have to meet.
5: So the good news is for renters that this formula was not put in place by the NDP. They've inherited it from the B.C. Liberal government, so it is open to change. I suspect Herbert's going to come back with a recommendation, Chris, to get rid of that 2% base and keep it only at inflation. All right. We'll see if that happens. Thank you, Keith.
2: Growing frustration in Trail tonight, where the damage from a pair of sulfuric acid spills is adding up big time. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the number of affected vehicles has skyrocketed from dozens to thousands. And it could end up being the largest insurance claim ICBC has ever seen.
16: Adam Sander, happy with his brand new car. A replacement after his original was written off due to acid damage. As he was signing the papers, he asked the dealership if his new car was affected.
3: They assured me that uh, they would uh, figure out uh, if it had been affected and we'd deal with it then. Well, they need to figure it out now. It
16: also has acid damage and the dealership is working on Sanders' third car in less
3: than two months. They've promised to replace the vehicle, but they have to figure out what the process is on their end and they actually have to track down an appropriate replacement for me.
16: The industrial accident that caused all this happened months ago. On April 10th and May 23rd, sulfuric acid spilled from transport trucks on the main highway and downtown trail. The acid on the road splashed up onto any car that drove through it. ICBC now has more than 3,000 claims. And despite 30 adjusters assigned to the file, it's been a slow process.
6: Uh, some of those claims are taking up to uh, 30 days. To, uh, to get processed.
16: Among the vehicles pulled off the road, three school buses and almost certainly a brand new $800,000 fire engine. Vehicle owners, right now, furious. They are being forced to pay deductibles out of their own pocket. Tech, the trucking company, and ICBC have all lawyered up for what will be a multi-million dollar insurance claim.
6: It's almost unprecedented to have an incident of this sort occur in a very small community of 7,500 people and seeing so many individuals impacted. According
16: to ICBC, the volume of new claims is starting to ease off, which is giving adjusters time to tackle the enormous backlog. But it could be years before people find out if their deductibles will be paid for by the company responsible for the spill. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
2: Right now, though, the North Carolina coast is bracing for Hurricane Florence. This is a live shot of Myrtle Beach, where things appear calm at the moment. But while Florence's strength has fluctuated today, the full impact is expected to be catastrophic. Pictures from the International Space Station today show the intensity of Florence, as well as the massive size of the hurricane. So enormous, only a super-wide angle lens could capture this shot.
1: Up to 3 million people could lose power when the storm hits, and forecasters are now warning of catastrophic flooding.
12: Bracing for impact. Tonight, this is the race to beat Florence as the hurricane surges toward shore. Coastal cities across the Carolinas, parts of Virginia and Georgia in a state of emergency. My message is clear. Disaster is at the doorstep and it's coming in. From Myrtle Beach.
7: I feel kind of scared.
12: To Wilmington, many fear a direct hit. With nearly 4,000 already in shelters... Kenny Nettles is boarding up and moving out. I got two kids in there and, and the wife. I just don't think that we're gonna take that chance. With gas stations on empty, store shelves bare, this is a mandatory evacuation. and government services shutting down. Today, a final run on essential supplies.
17: Just batten down the hatches and get ready to ride it
12: out. With nearly two million heating evacuation orders, streams of cars are pouring inland while a flood of first responders are making their way towards danger. Two nuclear power plants prepared to shutter if hurricane force winds blast in. Promising to deliver an unprecedented disaster, this is a look at the eye of the storm. A lot of the houses boarded up. Carolina Beach Town manager Mike Kramer says 75% of his residents have evacuated. For those that refuse to leave, are they gambling with their life? Guaranteed they're gambling with their life. Tonight, the storm of a lifetime may still be out at sea, but Hurricane Florence is already making an impact on land. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, Carolina Beach.
1: Like they say, disaster at the doorstep. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on the timing of this storm and how it's tracking. Christy.
6: Chris, although a Category 3, the storm has actually grown in width, so will now affect a larger population. Now, the effects of the storm will begin tomorrow, but the eye of the hurricane isn't expected to make landfall until Friday afternoon. Then it will travel along the coast and weaken. Now, the wind still a very damaging, close to 200 kilometers an hour, but it really is the storm surge and the rainfall that's the most dangerous. 50% of the deaths, uh, 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 hurricane deaths, are due to drownings, and we just received an update this afternoon. Isolated total could reach 1,000 millimeters of rain. That's one meter. Now, we talked about this yesterday, why sees close to this in an entire year, and this area could see it in just three days.
1: No doubt devastating. Okay, we'll be watching. Thanks very much, Christy. Meantime, millions are at risk in the Philippines where they're bracing for super typhoon Mangkut. It's currently barreling across the Pacific with gusts of 255 kilometers an hour. The typhoon expected to make landfall Saturday. An average of 20 typhoons and storms lash the Philippines each year. Mancout is said to be the strongest so far.
2: Port Alberni resident Marnie Robinson posting this video as a heads up for neighbors after she watched a cougar take down a deer in her backyard and drag it into the bushes. Her Facebook post warning everyone to keep their pets and kids safe.
1: I hope a lot of people are listening. Whew. Uber wants to add a new service to Metro Vancouver, but no, it's not ride-sharing.
2: With the provincial government still studying ride-sharing, Uber wants to bring two-wheeled electric transportation to town.
0: Now here's a rare sight, a pair of cyclists in New Westminster. The Royal City has so many steep hills that cycling here is for the intrepid, or as is the case here, a retired couple who have gone electric
17: My husband goes to work Monday to Friday crossing the Patola bridge and back every day rain sleet sun
0: So it's Uber to the rescue. Seeing an opportunity to get more people out of their cars and onto bikes, Uber Canada wants to introduce e-bikes and e-scooters to operate similar to
8: the many car sharing programs already available. The solar panel charges the unit at the back that tracks your duration and distance travelled and also will show you the cost. So you're able to rent uh, the, the bike share either through the unit at the back or through your smartphone app.
0: There's an e-scooter craze going on stateside and it's not without controversy. Several startup companies are renting units and because there's no need to return them once you've gotten to where you want to go, they litter the landscape. Um, I cannot stand electric scooters. They're uh, absolute menace. But that's not going to happen in New Westminster where the mayor is keen on allowing Uber to start service here.
17: And I think uh, cities have to be interested in it as a mobility option, but also need to, to make sure they have the right regulations in place to make sure they're not uh, uh, creating nuisances uh, in, in neighbourhoods across their towns as well.
0: Uber's e-bikes' big advantage over Vancouver's existing bike share program is that you don't have to return these bikes to dedicated racks. Controversies aside, enthusiasts say do whatever it takes to get people to ride.
6: And it's healthy.
0: If electric bike sharing does arrive, couch potatoes lose yet another excuse. Ted Schoenacki, Global News.
1: Three men in hoodies burst into an Ontario pot shop and begin pepper spraying the man and woman behind the counter. Despite being hit by the cloud of spray, the male clerk fights back. He grabs a large bong and begins swinging it at them, eventually smashing it over one of them. The three would-be robbers fled and police are still looking for
12: them.
2: Now, we want to give you a warning right off the top about this next story. Some of the pictures are graphic. A Quebec man has a new face after an historic operation.
1: That's right. Doctors in Montreal performing Canada's first successful face transplant on 64-year-old Maurice Desjardins, who was the victim of a hunting accident.
17: This is Maurice's face before the complex surgery. Disfigured in a hunting accident seven years ago, eating, speaking... Even breathing came with great difficulty. This is what Maurice looks like today, four months after doctors gave him a new face and a new life.
15: He also wanted to be able to walk outside with his granddaughter or with his family without the looks of other strangers and the questions.
17: Dr. Borsak first met Maurice three years ago and suggested a face transplant.
15: There was no other options for him and there was no other chance of him having a normal life.
17: Unprecedented in Canada, Borsak compiled the team of experts and started planning the difficult surgery. One of the most challenging and sensitive obstacles, finding a donor family willing to give up a loved one's face.
12: We made sure that during the consent process, they understood the implications of that, that they might run into the person someday and might have a recognition. Um, and so they understood those risks.
17: Montreal plastic surgeon Dr. Daniel Borsak led the team of 100 on the 30-hour surgery in May. At 64, Maurice becomes the world's oldest recipient of a face transplant. The procedure has been performed abroad since 2005, but this was a first for Canada.
15: It's going to be a game-changer for patients who are living with facial deformities. What it does, it offers hope.
17: Two weeks after the operation, Maurice saw his new face for the first time.
15: When When he finally looked in that mirror, it really, it hit home. And so everyone in the room... Everyone in the room, the security guards, we were all crying.
17: Maurice faces a lifetime fear his body could reject his face at any time. Still, it's a risk he wanted to take because he can now do something he hasn't done in seven years. Smile. Amanda Jalewicki, Global News, Montreal.
2: A Happy homecoming today at CFB Esquimalt. HMCS Ottawa returning from a nearly four-month mission. Among other things, the ship participated in RIMPACT, the uh, rim of the Pacific exercise, the largest international maritime warfare exercise, with 29 countries taking part. It was also part of L.A. Fleet Week. And for the last leg, the ship picked up a rookie crew of female CEOs and senior managers of Canadian companies to give them a taste of life at sea on a warship.
1: Welcome home. Well, in Health Matters tonight, CKNW Program Director Larry Gifford, a colleague of ours, has made the radio industry his career, but in a cruel twist of fate, Parkinson's disease is slowly taking away his ability to speak.
2: Tonight, in the first of our three-part series, Nitu Garcha tells us how Gifford is using his voice while he still can.
4: See you later. Have a good day. I love you. Love you, too. Love you.
10: Larry. Gifford takes each day one step at a time from home to work he's constantly coping with new challenges
4: my brain doesn't tell this leg to move so I have to drag it behind me
10: the 46 year old senior radio program director has young onset Parkinson's disease hello since Gifford was diagnosed last summer life as he knew it has been slowly slipping away
4: so sore it just hurts to type this disease is so random of when it decides to take hold of you and how on a given day.
10: Gifford still works full-time. Hey, Catherine. Steering the ship at CKNW Radio.
4: See if we're we're seeing any traction.
10: So it was a surprise to his colleagues when he went public about what had been a very private battle. You would have thought that maybe he was at a meeting somewhere else, and that's why he wasn't in the office, when later you would find out perhaps he was actually at a doctor's appointment. After coming to grips with his illness, he started doing what he knows best. Testing, one, two, three. Telling stories, only this time... The story is about himself.
4: If you're having a bad day, then it changes everything.
10: Inspired by Michael J. Fox, Gifford's goal is to raise global awareness and funds for research and to share his own story in hopes of helping other patients cope with their diagnosis.
13: You don't deal with it. You're not honest about it. And I went through seven years of that, so I know it becomes an amorphous blob of anxiety and, and fear.
10: There's little known about the disorder, and the range of symptoms a patient can experience is broad. Can you hold my hand? For Gifford's nine-year-old son, the simple truth is, days like this... You said one more? No! ...where his dad has the strength to play are few and far between. I
6: wanted
13: to go on his back, but he can't do that anymore.
10: I may have enough energy to do this for
4: the next 15 years, but I may not have enough energy to do this in a year. I don't know. No one knows.
10: For now, the Giffords cherish every moment. Three, three, two, one. And embrace their new normal, exposing their lives to help bring hope to others.
17: The fact that we have to be transparent and vulnerable, that
10: makes it even more powerful. That's good storytelling.
4: There's no hurry to get anyplace because I'm arriving
1: with each step.
10: Need to Garcha, Global News, (laughs) Vancouver.
1: I just love this thing. With reports of snow in some parts of B.C. already, maybe this will come in handy. North Vancouver's Robert Falk is selling his snow limo, a Bombardier snowcat combined with 1989 Cadillac stretch limo.
2: Falk works in the movie and TV industry and says he built this thing more than 15 years ago for a project.
15: It's built on top of um, a donor snowcat. Um, But most of the mechanicals from the car are the ones that drive it. It's a little bit better than a movie trick. I always built it with the idea that I would probably end up with it. So we tried to make it a little bit more real than just something that would last for one shot and then, you know, tow it off camera and that would be that.
2: Well, the limo is currently being stored in Goldbridge, which is just north of Pemberton, and the asking price
1: is $6,000. $6,000. bucks. <laughs> we will get to Christy in just a moment for the local forecast, but right now another shot in the arm for the old legend of Ogopogo. What is this mysterious shape spotted in Okanagan Lake? Up. The shaky and blurry video that's burning, burning up the internet coming up right after the forecast. I'm a skeptic. Can you tell?
2: Would you give up the Tesla though for the
1: for the snow limo? Yeah, limo. I will. I would never do that. <laughs>
2: I'll
1: never give up the Tesla.
6: All right, uh, Christy, So we skip fall. Yes, well, great d- to winter. never mind fall. Let's just go straight into winter. Yes. So this was uh, Fort St. John this morning, everyone. Twyla sent us this, 5 to 10 centimeters, depending on your location. Another photo for you from Marina. And uh, yeah, a bit of a shock to the system, I would say, for these areas. Temperatures today only warmed up to one degree. So not much melt happened. But although uh, on the roads themselves, there wasn't accumulation, it really is mostly on the sides of the roads. Now the snowfall has ended. And what we're talking about now is an early season cold snap. And it Extends through the central interior and the caribou region, so temperatures a good 10 degrees below average, and you'll see the numbers in a second. But also the potential of snowfall for mainly higher elevations. But this cold air is going to track further south. So yes, we're concerned about the Okanagan Connector. Fine right now, but we've got Poxes of precipitation moving that way. Uh, we'll see that overnight, and with temperatures dropping overnight, higher elevations in the Okanagan Connector and the northern parts of uh, the Coquihalla. So between. Merritt and Kamloops could see some snow for those higher uh, areas. And here's a look at the radar imagery showing those pockets. We have a number of lightning strikes as well, but that cold air invading from the north and across the south coast. Yes, a few lightning strikes as well in the Langley area with pockets of really intense rain, but then there's also some beautiful blue sky. It really just depends on where you are. And we're going to see a similar pattern for the next few days. Tomorrow, though, I'm expecting more cloud cover. The breaks of blue sky, not as much. Much for tomorrow. Meanwhile, across the north, you'll see sunshine. It will be cold, though. Highs of only four degrees in Fort Saint John, and a massive drop in temperature in these areas. So today, reaching 20 degrees. Tomorrow, you're in the low teens, as you can see here. Although, uh, so you still 18 degrees. South coast, 16 degrees. Cloud showers. The bulk of that moisture will be in the morning. It will ease off to just a chance of showers in the afternoon, but still mainly cloudy and staying cool and unsettled right through the weekend. And don't forget, still a slight risk of an isolated thunder this afternoon. I'll leave you with a photo from Paula in Fort St. John. Tough to see snowfall on the sunflowers. Wow. Sure
2: is. Not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> Good picture, though.
1: <laughs> well, it is shaky and inconclusive at best, but two brothers believe they've captured video of Okanagan Lake's mythical monster. Are you guys seeing that? <laughs> David and Keith Hallbauer <laughs> believe the black shape they saw off in the distance could be the fabled Ogopogo, B.C.'s version of the Loch Ness Monster. The brothers were on the lake last week when they say they spotted it. The
7: Diameter-wise, uh, as you put it, I, I don't think I could put my arms around it like a dinosaur, I guess. It was like a giant, giant snake. And We were both looking at it, and I said, "That, I think I see Ogopogo or something.
2: I think it was actually just a guy in an Ogopogo suit. Could have been. Could have been.
13: Could have been awake. I noticed at the start they were playing some Dark Side of the yeah. Moon by Pink Floyd. I think it yeah, was exactly. time. Did they
6: add that or did we I'm add not sure. that? Actually, you know
13: what? That's Ogopogo's that's, theme song. He only that. comes out of the water if Pink Floyd's rolling. Yeah, that's his soundtrack.
1: That is Squires a weird one. Here? Canucks uh, at the present time do not have a captain, but they're not the only team to be in that position. I think there are eight right now. And you know what? Mm-hmm. Vegas didn't have a captain.
13: And look how well they did. And the Bruins, years ago, the Bruins won the Stanley Cup and didn't have an official captain. So hmm. you don't really need one, but it's nice that someone has the C. Um, The Canucks haven't decided if they'll have a captain this season. And if they do, they don't know who it'll be yet. But for the last couple of years, the feeling has been that Bo Horvath is the one destined to take it from, well, I guess he doesn't take it. He inherits it from Henrik Sedin. He would love to be the captain, but he's cool if it's someone else. The uh, Canucks were at their annual Jake Milford Golf Tournament today at Northview, two days away from the start of training camp, and Jay was there, and he caught up with the aforementioned Bo Horvat. Well, the Jake Milford Golf Tournament
15: always kicks off Canucks training camp. Bo Horvat, it's been quite the summer for you. It's going to be a summer of change, but let's talk about the news of the day first off. We'll go TMZ. Congratulations on the engagement.
7: Yeah, thank you very much. Um, you know, Both uh, my fiancé and I are really really excited about it. i um, planning on having it uh, next summer, and you know, we're, uh, we're really en- going to enjoy the process. And and um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happily engaged right now, so it's awesome. So that's life altering in one way. The
15: other one is the fact that I think for hockey fans here in, in British Columbia, no Daniel or Henrik
7: Sedin in almost 20 years. Yeah, I know. It's going to be um, a little bit of a change this year. Uh, obviously, sad to see them go, and um, there's going to be a hole in our, uh, our dressing room and in our leadership group and everything like that so um, they've done amazing things for the city and for Vancouver Connection organization but um, no, we've got a great uh, group of young kids coming up that are going to be exciting to watch and they um, no, are going to have a chance to prove uh, to be every- everyday NHLers. When you look at the nucleus of this hockey team and you look at some of the prospects who have a chance
15: of maybe making this hockey team guys like yourself guys like Brock what kind of hockey team do you see taking shape?
7: Um, I think uh, obviously we're going to be young. Um, we got a bunch of young guys that are, are going to step in and uh, hopefully um, have a shot at making our team this year. And um, I think that's a good. I think that's good for us. I think uh, we need a change here in Vancouver. And um, we know where we're at. We, we want to. We I mean we still want to prove uh, to people and we still want to win hockey games. And our goal is to make the playoffs every single year. And. And uh, that's not going to change this year.
15: We've watched your game evolve over the years. You've become a better skater. You've become a point producer. You've also become a guy who could be that number one center. You also could be a leader. Do you want to have that leadership or perhaps maybe wearing the C? I
7: mean, um, obviously, it would be a great honor and um, a privilege to, uh, to wear any letter, um, let alone a C, uh, for this organization. And um, for me, I'm, just, I'm not worried about that. I'm just going uh, playing my game and helping the team win uh, night in and night out.
15: All right. What's realistic
7: expectations for a
15: hockey team that's missed the playoffs uh, more often than the lo- uh, than not the last few years?
7: Um, I think we're going to take it game by game and uh, step by step. We're going to you know continue with the process, try to get better as a team, and uh, our, our, like I said, our main goal is to win hockey games, and that's what we're going to try to do. So who's going to do all the wedding plans, you or your fiance? Definitely the you No, know, She's all over it, so I'm going to let her take the reins here and, and uh, put my two cents in uh, every once in a while.
15: We wish you the best of luck. Stay healthy this season, and boy, I think I, I speak for a lot of Canuck fans in general that it should be nice to see playoff hockey
13: in April. Absolutely. Yeah, that's our goal.
15: Canucks begin training camp in Whistler on Friday.
13: You kind of forget that the Lions have been playing a big part of this season without their best defensive player, and they'll have to play more games without Solomon Alamimian, He's been out since mid-July with a wrist injury. It appears you'll need at least another month, maybe five weeks, to fully heal. Luckily, though, quarterback Travis Lule is good to go for Friday's game in Montreal. And today, the guy who hit him in the face last week was fined. He got a helmet to the face against Ottawa from J.R. Tavai. Uh, Today, the league announced that Tavai has been fined an undisclosed amount, but there'll be no suspension for it. Maybe because he didn't go directly helmet to helmet and bounced up off Lule's chest. But if it's dangerous enough to fine him, then why not dangerous enough to suspend him? This is a nice banner that will be in Humboldt forever. Humboldt Broncos starting their uh, Saskatchewan Junior League season tonight. One other thing we'll tell you as you watch the ceremonial face-off, every uniform, every number of all the kids who are on the bus that night mm-hmm. will be retired. That'll be it. Even the ones who survived, you will never see those numbers worn again. That is Mm the tribute that will be there forever for the humble Broncos who were unfortunately on that bus in Mm -hmm. April. Amazing. Yes.
2: All right. Thanks, Squire. At first, it sounded absurd. A break-in at a wig shop. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in merchandise lost.
1: But as you'll see, the thieves stole so much more than the wigs, Nadia Stewart
8: reports. About three and a half weeks ago, we went and she got fitted for a wig, so she was excited to be able to try this. It was supposed to be with Sage as she returned to school. A dirty blonde, short, curly wig, one resembling her natural hair.
2: As a little girl who's about to turn eight years old, how she looks is is more important to her than than before and especially to go back to school and see her friends and she looks so different
8: so she was looking forward to having a wig so that she could look and feel more like herself. How strong are you? (laughs) <laughs> Many of you might recognize Sage as one of the young faces of the Variety Telethon. Sage has lost her hair three times over the last three and a half years battling cancer. Her mom, Lynn Ann Graham, says this was going to be her very first wig, but no one expected this kind of a disgusting thing to do. The heartless theft of at least 150 wigs, some of them specially made for cancer patients at BC Children's Hospital. Sage's wig included among the stolen. Why would somebody do something like this? Police continue to investigate the September 7th break-in at Eva & Company Wigs in Vancouver. Thieves accessed the West Broadway store by way of a neighboring business undergoing renovations.
3: It's possible that someone is in possession of one or more of these wigs. And that they don't know they're stolen or that they were meant for sick children. We need people to do the right thing and come forward with information.
8: The store has been overwhelmed with offers of help. Still, it could take up to two months before replacement wigs are ready. How much do you want a wig? In the meantime, Lynn Ann and Sage hope someone will do the right thing. A wig is like it's a small thing, but it makes could make a very big difference to a child who's already having to face so much. Nadia stroke Global News. She's so cute.
2: She's the sweetest. And now, as Nadia mentioned, we first met Sage last year during Variety Week. And Variety Week is coming up again soon. We will kick it off next month, the week of October 22nd.
1: Allowing us to help a lot of kids like Sage and her mom and many others across the province. So hopefully you'll be able to join us that week and then later on around Valentine's Day for the big...
2: For the big big telethon itself.
1: Okay, uh, we're still keeping an eye on Florence, obviously, down the east coast of the U.S., Mm -hmm. and it's getting real over the next 24 hours for people down there.
6: yeah the winds on the coast are already starting to pick up but the real strong effects will start sort of tomorrow so we'll be tracking that and then the eye expected to hit on friday afternoon um so pretty intense down Mm -hmm. there for us we've been talking about wintry weather and across the south coast it just continues to be cool and unsettled right through the weekend highs of only 14 degrees yikes
1: First rugby event of the year on Sunday, and suitable weather for it. It looks like. Thanks for watching. Why didn't you guys play in the summer when
2: it was warm? (laughs) Yeah, good point. That's a very good point.